Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back. We have another amazing episode with Teddy Nikova, registered dietitian. And today we are talking about why you keep quitting on your eating plan. So this is going to be a great conversation. You're going to have some really good takeaways because so often I hear it from our clients. Like, I know what I should be eating. I've done every diet out there. I know the eating plan. I know what the meal plan should look like. I just, I'm not sticking to it. And the way I describe it is it's never a knowledge issue. It's always an implementation issue. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Teddy. Thank you for having me again, Sasha. I'm really looking forward to really just sharing the top three mistakes I see our clients make and just the general public in terms of their eating formula and what are the mistakes that are deterring them from reaching that ultimate success in developing a sustainable eating plan that's permanent. Yeah. Permanent is key. I think that that's kind of the thing that people come to us for is they're like, listen, I'm done dieting. I'm done losing weight and then regaining it and then losing it and then regaining it just creates this real sense of helplessness. And like, this is not even possible for me. And what we are really aiming to teach our clients is you can lose weight for the last time. And here's how we're going to support you. So let's jump in. So what is mistake number one? Number one is that you're going all in. So the most common thing I see is when our clients first start in the best way program, we actually start off with a formula for our clients that we tailor that formula throughout our journey together. But when I give them the formula, I usually recommend for them to start with one meal. But as motivation is high with the start of a new program and they're feeling that high energy, they tell me, no, Teddy, I'm just applying this to all my meals today. I got it. I understand what to eat. And they just go with it and they'll start doing the formula for all their meals. And all is fine and dandy for two or three days, but then they come back to me in two weeks when I like to follow up with them and they feel really discouraged. And they let me know something like this, Teddy, everything was going great for two days, but then life got crazy. There was a hockey game. I had to do a spontaneous trip or I just got in a fight with my husband and they feel really, really discouraged and thoughts come about of like, oh, here I felt I failed another diet plan that I knew this was bound to fail. I'm never going to be able to lose weight. So that's the pattern I usually see with the all in and all in mentality really comes from past diets or clients have done. So some of our clients are used to going into commercial diets where they were given a meal plan and told, here's the formula to success. This is what you do, follow it, or literally get kicked out of the program for some programs, or you'll face the consequences of not losing weight. So it's that victim blaming of not going all in. Yeah. And I think when you describe like an eating formula, you're talking about kind of guidelines, right? We provide guidelines, not like here's what you eat for breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, and you have to follow this exact thing. I like to describe this all in concept as like the rule box that people look for. 
they don't really want it, but they want it, right? It's like, okay, tell me the rules. And then if I can just follow these rules and stay within this tiny little box of constraint, then I will lose weight. But then life happens outside of the box and they don't know what to do with themselves when they find themselves out of, outside of that box, right? Like the examples you gave of stress or it's a, it's a hockey game or it's a wedding or it's a birthday party. And it's like, uh-oh, I'm out of the box. Now what do I do? I've failed again. Forget it. Like, screw it. I guess I'm done. I can't do this, right? That's where that goes. Absolutely. And also lends to the idea of the sustainability piece. So when you're going all in, you might think, oh, I'm just going to have to follow this for a couple months until I lose the weight. So I might as well start right away versus focusing on this is going to be my forever eating formula. So that's why it's so important to start slow and steady to really get a feel of how does this food feel like in my body? Do I feel really good with this breakfast or do I need more protein? So it's really that difference of I have to apply, I have to lose the weight for good as quickly as possible versus I'm on a lifelong journey. Yeah, it's going to take some more time than maybe I'm used to from previous fad diets, but it's going to be a forever piece. Okay. So good. So yes, figuring out how to make this the forever piece, the all in, I call it all or nothing. It's really tied to perfectionism, right? It's, I have to get this hundred percent right. Otherwise I'll throw in the towel. And so often what we're coaching our clients on is dropping that idea of this being perfect, taking, I love the concept, messy action. So it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep taking those steps, little steps, 1% increments of growth in the direction of my values. And it's going to be messy. There's going to be setbacks and there's going to be times where I blow it. And that's totally normal. All of it is part of the part of the process, right? Absolutely. And you use this phrase before that perfectionism is the enemy of permanent weight loss. Mm-hmm. So the more yeah. we can apply that phrase of, yeah, this perfectionist mentality may serve me in other areas of my life, but it's actually exactly the opposite thing I have to do with weight loss. Because even though we, uh, our team has a lot of knowledge and is going to provide you with all of the best tools that we have at the end of the day, permanent weight loss requires a lot of experimentation and that's okay. Yes. Experimentation is such a good way of putting it. Like, how do we know exactly how your body is going to respond, right? What if we just consider it an experiment, try it out, see how you feel, touch base with your body. Like part of it also, I know you guys teach this to our clients is starting to recognize your own hunger and satiety cues, because so much of the reason we overeat is because we are completely ignoring our bodies, not listening when we are hungry, not listening when we're actually full, not listening when our body's really like, I'm exhausted. It's 10 o'clock at night. Like, let's go to sleep. And you're like, let's stay up longer and watch more Netflix. I'll just give you some food to keep you awake. Right. So that's what the work is, is it's figuring all that stuff out. And that's part of building this relationship with our bodies where it's like, we trust our bodies and our bodies talk to us and we listen and we respond to what our body's trying to say and, and vice versa. So yeah, all part of it, right? Dropping the rule box and the all or nothing to really figuring out how we have this relationship with our bodies and with food. Absolutely. So just some key takeaways to provide the audience is 
what can I do to ditch the all in? So what we usually recommend is just start slow and steady. Start with focusing on breakfast and really establishing, you know, your five stable breakfasts. And I want you to feel at least 90% confident you can follow through with your plan. So for example, maybe it's more realistic that you only do Monday and Tuesdays and Wednesdays for your high protein breakfast. So it's just going to be about starting with messy action forward rather than this all in. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. Messy action, 1% growth. I think sometimes when we're used to this all in mentality, it's like, I have to go from here. It's like complete 180. And not only if I completely overhaul my entire life, does that count? Right. And it's like, actually the little 1% steps in the direction of your best you, they all count, right? They're all building the life that you want to have. Absolutely. It's the compounding effect. If you just aim for 1% in the first two weeks of our journey together, and we can just grow by 1%, hey, we're going to be growing by 4% every month, which is actually quite big. Yeah. 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 So good. Okay. What's tip number two or no mistake number two? Yeah. So mistake number two is focusing way too much on the scale to define your success. Mm. And and I'll actually share a story with everyone. I had a recent client join me and we applied our formula to breakfast and we started slow and steady. And that client actually emailed me a couple of days after letting me know, Teddy, the scale didn't move. Should we change something in my eating? And I, I actually giggled a little bit because it's that diet mentality where, you know, we step on the scale after we start a new diet and Hey, scale didn't move. What does that mean? Our mind generates the thoughts of this is not happening fast enough. This is not working. This eating plan is just not for me. And then what do we do? We feel distressed. And then we just go back to our regular breakfast. Cause what's the point? The scale didn't move. Yeah. 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 I, in my head, I'm like thinking how I've been like this, where, you know, you go to the gym, you like lift some weights and then immediately afterwards, you're like looking in the mirror and trying to see if you've got like massive biceps all of a sudden after going to the gym one time, right? Same idea. It's the compounding effect. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you something. So for everyone listening, the scale does not define your success in a permanent weight loss solution. So sustainable fat loss is really slow. So when you're starting off your journey in month one, I even usually typically don't even recommend the scale to be used as a measure of success in month one. You're focusing on establishing those behavioral skills, those new habits that are going to be sustainable for the rest of your life. So how is the scale determining you increasing your vegetable intake and potentially balancing your blood sugar or increasing your micronutrient intake? How is that reflecting on on the scale? It really isn't. Mm -hmm. And that lesson of like not making it, I will do this. If the scale moves, I will work out. If the scale moves, I will eat vegetables. If the scale moves, that lesson has to be learned at some point. And the earlier, the better, because this is what happens. Like we talked about weight maintenance on the last episode, people get to weight maintenance and they don't get the glorification of the scale going down anymore. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like, what's the point of doing all these things? Like the scale's not moving. So if they don't learn the lesson early, 
they have to learn it at some point. It's way harder down the line. So I think that that's such a, such a good point to really introduce that early of celebrating like, Hey, this is me taking care of myself. And Oh wait, I actually have less bloating and I actually have more energy and I'm sleeping better. Like people miss all of that when they're just looking at the scale. Right. Absolutely. So we really encourage our clients to focus on what we call non-scale wins or non-scale measures of success. So are they feeling more full after including that high protein breakfast? Are they snacking less in the afternoon? Are they noticing more energy? So all of these metrics can't be measured by the scale. And of course the scale is there. So we never want to, let's say, ignore it or feel like we have to fear the scale Mm -hmm. because it is something that is there. And unfortunately, as women, we do place value on the scale, which we shouldn't. But at the same time, we do want to have that healthy relationship with the scale where we're not necessarily avoiding it because it is a measure. It's just not the superstar. Yes. That's such a, that's such a good point. It is data and it provides some information, but not the full story. Right. So we have to look at the full story. Okay. So, so great. So what is error number three that we'll make? So this is the error that we're really good at fixing through our coaching in our best weight program. It's really failing to catch your patterns. So everybody could follow an eating plan. So if I gave you an exact eating plan and I said, follow this for the next couple of months, no problem. We can follow an eating plan in the short term. But what happens is that if we never catch our patterns around eating, we will always default to that autopilot mode. So like we chatted in the beginning about in actually our previous episode, we have that layer of our appetite system called the executive brain. And this is our prefrontal cortex or our planning brain. And it loves to go into autopilot mode and revert back to old habits we have around food. So if we never address of how are we using food and what patterns do we have around food? Are we using food as a reward on a Friday night when we get takeout? Are we using food to emotionally cope with a stressful email from our manager? If we never address those patterns, we can suppress them maybe for the short term when we're putting a lot of effort into a new diet, but we will always always revert back to our autopilot mode if we've never addressed and worked through those patterns. Yeah, that's so good. I think that the coaching piece and recognizing the stories that our brain tells is the most critical part because it's what brings everything together, right? Our choices stem from our thinking and our belief patterns. And we have to uncover all of that as it relates to food. But even I was talking to a client this week And what we uncovered is she was like, oh yeah, no, I'm not a priority in my life. Like I'm not a priority. I have to manage everyone else's life. I have, you know, grown, grown adult children who are living at home. And I'm like, and I highlighted that for her, that that's going to that belief that I'm not a priority. It is surely going to show up in the choices that she makes. She might be able to really focus on changing behaviors right now and trying to bring in some self-care habits right now. But if she doesn't uproot that underlying belief that she's not worth taking care of and she's not worth prioritizing, she will always, her choices will always just go fall back in, in alignment with that underlying belief that she has. So whether it's beliefs around food or thoughts around food, 
or thoughts around just, you know, your own value and your own self-worth, we have to kind of tease out all of those thought patterns that aren't serving us. So I'm so glad you brought this up. Absolutely. And a lot of our clients after working with us and even during, they'll even tell us like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how not about food all of this is. It's not about the food. It's how are we using food as the bandage to the deeper root issues? Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. So let's talk about, so you talked about noticing patterns and, and how, like, how do we do that? Can you kind of give us an example of what that looks like? Absolutely. So I'll take you through some really impactful steps. We actually take our clients through in the best weight program. So number one is you want to catch your high risk times. Mm. So overeating. And when I say overeating, it doesn't mean a, a high quantity of food. It really just means overeating is you're eating when you're not physically hungry or you're eating past the point of physical hunger. And we teach our clients to really recognize what that feels like in their body. So high risk times are times of day where you have the most urges. So that reward brain is really lit up that primal brain that wants us to eat as much food as possible, especially refined foods is really lit up. So you really want to identify what those times are for you. So the most common high risk times are in the afternoon around three to 5 PM. So right after work in between lunch and dinner, and then we have nighttime eating. So after dinner, when we're relaxed, we're watching TV, the snacks come out. So those are really the most common high risk times. But what we want to really establish is that we have a learned behavior. So all this means is that we have a learned response during that time to associate that time of day with snacks or food. So we're going to automatically generate a lot of over desire and a lot of pleasure for that food because it's completely normal because our body knows, Hey, you usually give me some chips at 9 PM. I would like those please. So your body is really, really smart at identifying that. So you really want to map it out. What time is it? Who are you with? What's the environment look like? What are you feeling? So for example, Maybe your high risk time is at 9 p.m. when you're with your partner, they're munching on chips, you're watching TV, it's dark, you feel relaxed, you might still feel a little bit antsy from your day. So really identifying of like, what is that environment? What are those feelings that you're associating with eating? Yeah, so, so great. So identifying the high risk time, that was step one. Okay, now we've got that high risk time and what's happening next? So next is going to be the most powerful step. So you need to catch what lies your brain is telling you. So a lot of the over desire and the urge for food, there is that uh, physiological aspect of it where we know that those refined carbohydrates, highly processed foods just create a lot of over desire by themselves. And we know the environment now is driving a lot of the urge and over desire. But then we have our thoughts that create a lot of over desire. So when you're in your high risk time, your brain knows, hey, you usually give me a snack at this time. And it's going to generate a lot of what we call permission thoughts. So permission thoughts are coming really from that reward brain. That's that monkey mind, that primal brain that's trying to get you to eat the food. So permission thoughts include, you know what? I just want to unwind. The food will help me relax or 
it's, it's healthy. It's, it's an apple. It's an apple and peanut butter. It's really healthy. It's just a little bit. It won't matter. Or I deserve this. I had such a crazy day. I ate really healthy today. So these thoughts, even though they sound really innocent, they're the thoughts that are actually driving us to go and eat the food when our body physically doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking of some others of like, what are my permission thoughts? Right. Just like, let me just, let me just go see, let me just keep, go see what's in the pantry. Right. Like I'll just take a peek or I'll just try one. Right. And meanwhile, it's never one as we talked about in the last episode. Right. It's just, it's just the, I think, uh, one of my colleagues calls it the gateway thoughts, right. It takes you in the door and then it's downhill from there. Right. Right. Absolutely. And we want to even reframe it because our primal brain only tells us a partial story at that time. Those permission thoughts really hone in on that moment of how good it's going to feel and how much pleasure you're going to get in that moment. It doesn't tell you how you're going to feel after or how that food choice is really not aligned for your long-term goals. So a phrase I use with my clients when they're managing their high-risk times of, you have two choices. You have voluntary discomfort in the moment or permanent suffering. And I know it sounds a little bit brutal, but it really is what it is. Mm. So if we don't give into the urge, we're choosing voluntary discomfort in the moment because then we have to apply all these techniques we teach our clients to ride the wave and ride the urge and feel the uncomfortableness of not getting the pleasure in the moment. But if we end up giving into the urge and choosing against voluntary discomfort, we're feeding into permanent suffering of maybe not reaching our weight loss goals or just not feeling confident in our relationship with food. Yeah, it's so good. And I think what I'm thinking as you're sharing, Teddy, is like, hopefully all of our listeners can see, and this is what I love about our team, is the dietitians go so far beyond just talking about food and macros and like, this is a healthy protein option and this is a healthy fat option, right? It's like, that's like just skimming the basics, right? And I know you guys have a whole degree understanding the science, but in terms of what translates into practice with actually transforming a person's life, or actually I should frame it as equipping a client to transform their life and to achieve that is, yeah, you, you do that. And then it's like, so many more layers of unpacking, like why we don't follow through and why we kind of eat these things when they aren't on our plan and why we self-sabotage and why we have all of these self-defeating thought patterns. So thank you for just demonstrating how amazing our dietitian team is, because I know all of you coach our clients on this because it really is so much more than talking about the food. 1000%. Our dietitian team really is very unique and we really go really beyond the surface. And that's what makes our clients in the best weight program really, really successful in permanent weight loss. Yeah. I love it. I love that we get to brag on our team a little bit because normally (laughs) like it's a humble brag, but I really am so proud of all of you. And I'm just so impressed with all of you because this is truly what our clients need and what our clients come to us for. And so I get just so excited hearing you teach these concepts. So thank you so much, Teddy. And I want to just kind of actually, let me, before I close, do you have any final kind of tidbits you want to share? Absolutely. So just to reframe um, the So just to reframe the topic for today is that 
in order to really sustain a permanent eating pattern, it's not going to be about the quick fixes or the quick solutions. It's really going to be about finding a really sustainable eating pattern, but also doing the thought work and the mindset work of why am I overeating? So really asking the hard why, because you can always do another diet program, but if you never do the coaching piece and the mindset piece, you're always going to revert back to the old patterns. Yeah. Such a good point. So amazing. So thank you, Teddy. So the three, just to summarize, number one, error is you're going all in, you're focused on kind of like that all or nothing thinking. Number two is focusing too much on the scale to define success and missing all of the other successes along the way. And number three is failing to catch your patterns. Teddy, thank you so much for all of that. And for those of you listening, if you were listening and you're not part of our best way program and you're hearing this and you're like, oh my goodness, this totally speaks to me. I know you are out there. You need to contact us because we want to support you. This You've heard how amazing our team is and we love our clients. We love investing into them and supporting them and helping them get these breakthroughs to achieve that permanent transformation in their entire life. And I think that's what I get so excited about is, you know, people come to us just thinking that it's about weight loss. And it's so much more than that. It really is learning to love your life, learning to love your body, honoring yourself at the highest level. So www.highmetaboliclinic.com you need to get in touch with us and we look forward to supporting you in the best weight program. Okay. Thanks again, Teddy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the high on life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple podcasts.